Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, as is tradition, I get to share a Christmas message. If it's good enough for the Queen, then it's good enough for me. And it won't take long. We're going to be able to get around our family and friends yet again in the very near future. But I just want to share something that we've been singing about already. And that is the birth of Jesus Christ. And in the book of Matthew, Matthew was one of those 12 disciples that saw and witnessed the life of Jesus. And as he was coming to the end of his life, he penned down what he saw and heard. And he wrote in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, they were found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and he had in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which simply means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary home as his wife and he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. You know, the Christmas story really is an amazing story about the birth of Jesus. And many people will acknowledge that fact, but for many people it just stops there. And as wonderful as Christmas is, and as wonderful as the story of Christ being born is, I want to say this morning, it's just a small part of the puzzle. God had an incredible redemptive plan for humanity. And Christmas is just a part of that incredible plan. I got a few gifts this year. I'm not really a gifts person, but I got a few gifts. You saw one of them already. I got my skateboard. I got my new shirt. You like my new shirt? Got some socks and jocks. But I also got a jigsaw puzzle. And we kind of get a jigsaw puzzle every year. And it's something we do as a family, just kind of have it around the table. It sits there for about six months while we can figure it out. <laughs> but, but many of you know that a jigsaw puzzle is made up of many pieces. Would that be fair to say? And if you look at all the little pieces, this particular one has 1,000 pieces. And if you look at the individual pieces, it's really hard to work out what the big, the big picture is. Yeah. Looking at this tiny little piece, it's kind of hard to know what that really means. And yet if you throw that out, it plays a massive part in creating the whole picture. But by itself, it doesn't make much sense. But it's only as we go to the the big picture that we can learn to know where this little itty bitty piece is placed. And this piece only finds its meaning in connection with the big picture. By itself, it's meaningless. But without this piece, this story, this picture is incomplete. 
And I feel like when we come around the celebration of Christmas, many get confused because we hear about Jesus. We hear about Santa. We hear about elves. We hear about the North Pole, South Pole. Apparently all the bad elves come from the South Pole. That's where the angry little elves are. If you saw the film Elf, you'll know. And it's really hard to make head or tail. And, and I think of the young children growing up today, it's really hard to know what to believe. And where does Jesus fit into all of this? And so this morning in the short time that I have with you, before we go off and, and eat, drink and be merry, I just want to share a message that I've entitled, A Complete Christmas. Everyone say, A Complete Christmas. I know many of you are part of this church and you're going to go off on holidays and I trust you have an amazing time and, and there are some of you who have been dragged along because of family members and you're, you're kind of going, we go home now. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming and I do not want to waste your time. Come on, let's put our hands together for those who are with us for the very first time this morning. So good. And, and I really, I realise that this day is sacred and I would hate to waste anybody's time. And so I, I want you, if you would, just, just listen up and lean in because I believe there's something for believers this morning. I believe that what I share this morning is going to be helpful for unbelievers. And, and if you don't know where you fit in all of that, I believe there's something here for you today as we look at what it is to have a complete Christmas. You see, to fully understand the Christmas story, you need all the pieces. And the first piece in the Christmas story, the first piece in the puzzle is simply the cradle. Everyone say the cradle. cradle. The cradle is the beginning of Christmas. It's when we celebrate a, a baby being born in a manger. A manger. And, and this child was no ordinary child. The Bible says that it was God who came to earth. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, God so loved the world that He gave humanity the greatest gift of all time and He gave Himself to the world. You see, God is madly and passionately in love with you. He didn't say God was upset with you that He gave. He says He, he loved the world. I don't know if your notion this morning is of a God who's angry with you. Many people think God is that old guy in the sky sitting on a cloud with a long grey beard and he just strokes it all day, wondering who he can punish next. That's not the picture the Bible portrays of God. The Bible says that God loves you. He's madly and passionately in love with you. And He saw our hurt, He saw our pain and He sent His Son to help us when we could not help ourselves. He sent this baby in a manger some 2,000 years ago. You see, what separates religion from Christianity is this. Religion is man, us, trying to get to God. Trying to get there through our own hard work and our own good deeds and, and making sure that we don't swear or, or maybe if we don't swear as much as somebody else, then maybe that will get us to heaven. And maybe if we help a few old ladies across the road, maybe that will get us into heaven. And maybe if we get a cat out of a tree, that will get us to heaven. I want to tell you, if you help any cats out of trees, that you are not going to heaven. <laughs> To, to all, all, all the cat lovers out there, we love you. We just don't love cats. That's all I'm saying. We love dogs, but cats, yeah. And, and we try really hard to do the right thing in order to get to heaven. That's religion. Us trying to get to heaven by being good enough or maybe not good enough, but maybe not as bad as someone you know. And so we feel good about ourselves because at least I'm not that bad. And none of that is going to get us to heaven. The thing that separates Christianity from every other religion is we're not trying to get to heaven, it's God came to earth. That's what separates Christianity from every other religion is that God Himself didn't wait for us to come to Him, He came to us. 
And He came as a babe in a manger. You see, the message of Christmas is simple. And it's this, that you matter to God. And He gave this incredible gift, this child that was no ordinary child. He was born of a virgin. I mean, that, that is hard to comprehend. You know, God does some things that are hard to comprehend. But it needed to come from a lineage that was royal. It needed to come from someone who, who was, had access to heaven. I know some of you are, are royalists out there and, and you sat up and watched the royal wedding of Meghan and, and, and Prince Harry, a, a commoner, Meghan, married into the royal family. And as a result of being married to royal blood, she gets to inherit all the royal promises. And so this virgin conceived a royal child, a godly child that wasn't tainted by man's sin. This is God's phenomenal plan. And this child was to be given the name Jesus, which means to save. He came to save us from our sin. What is sin? Sin is all the mistakes and all the shortcomings that you and I face on a daily basis. Let's be honest, we not only let people down, we let ourselves down. Is there anyone who's ever let themselves down? We do it all the time and we let others down because we don't always do what we want to do. Have you ever found that? You, you set out, we've got New Year's Eve coming up where we make New Year's resolutions. And, and you know what, on, on January 1, we're going to make our best effort to, to make sure we lose some weight. We're going to make our best effort to make sure we're a better husband or a better wife or a better parent or we've got better grades. Some of our year 11s going into year 12s, they're going to make, this is going to be my best year ever. I'm going to get an ATAR that's in the high 90s and we're going to make all these incredible outlandish resolutions. And that's awesome. I'm not against that. That's fantastic. But what I do know about those resolutions, more often than not, by January 2, most of them have already been broken. We, you know, that, that diet we were going to start, well, we did start it. We just finished it on January 1. We, you know, we started and finished. This is kind of, you know. And we let ourselves down. And, and this baby that was born came. And he was given the name Jesus because he's to save us from our sins. And the Bible says that he's to be called Emmanuel. And you know what Emmanuel means? It simply means God with us. Not us trying to get to God, but God is here. He's present and He's going to help you in every circumstance and situation that you'll ever face in life. What an incredible gift. But that's just one piece of the Christmas story. It's the cradle, the beginning of Christmas. The second piece is simply the cross, which is the purpose of Christmas. See, he was born for a purpose. And the purpose Jesus was born, this may sound morbid on Christmas morning, but this is the truth. Jesus was born to die. The Bible says that Jesus came to die. Luke chapter 9, verse 22 says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed. And on the third day, he'll be raised to life. You see, his death was a substitute for our sin. I told a story more recently that many of you had not heard before, so I think it's worth sharing again. But many years ago when I was right into soccer, in under-16s, we made our way to the cup final and it was a midweek game and there we were at Highmarsh Stadium. It was Parry Hill Soccer Club, which is just around the corner here, playing Juventus, which was Adelaide City. 
And, you know, that was kind of like the English versus the Italians. And it, and it was kind of like, it was, it was on. It was a game and a half. I mean, it was just amazing. In, in my head, it was greater than any FA Cup final. It was just on. And we were playing the game and, and we got ahead, which was fantastic. And, and right toward the end of the game, the, this member of the opposition, let me just say that, did this slide tackle, which was, which was not cool. And he did this high tackle and took me out, put his uh, you know, sprigs up, uh, cut gash in my leg, and I went down. And I know you might say, everyone goes down in soccer. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. And I, I hated that. And I always prided myself on not being that guy because that's one aspect of the game I hate about soccer. Everyone just rolls over. And the, you Aussie rules footballers and you rugby league players, you're like, oh, they, they're just a bunch of pansies. And I agree for the most part. But this moment was different. Let me just tell you, this was different. <laughs> this was different. Got blood just pouring out of my leg. It's just kind of... And it was just like, wow. You know, almost like mixed finger this morning with a, nip, with a snipper. But anyway, and, and I, was, I was rolling around on the floor and, and, and the coach called for the stretcher and I got substituted because he realised I, I couldn't go on. I couldn't continue the game. And so I had to be substituted. I watched the end of the game. We won the game. We won the game. It's amazing. And because I was part of the team, even though I didn't finish a game, but because I was part of the team, I got a trophy. And I got rushed to hospital after that. And uh, that's how serious it was. I got rushed to hospital. And uh, we won the game. And I got the trophy because I was part of the team. And I feel that little story highlights something of what God did for us. When I couldn't go on, I needed a substitution. I needed someone to take my place. And because of my sins, and because of your sins, because of things that you've done wrong and things I've done wrong, God can't allow our sins into a holy place called heaven. Because if God just turned a blind eye to the things I've done wrong, He would no longer be a just God. Can you imagine for a moment if someone was guilty of murder? And they were guilty of someone murdering someone that you knew and they were really close to you. And the judge looks at this guy and says, you know what, he did the wrong thing, but you know, he's sorry, so I'm just going to let him go. You know, like you know, like you know, there would be an uproar, there would be outrage. And you know in your heart of hearts that that judge would not be a just judge. He might be a loving judge, but he's not a just judge. God is both loving and just. And so how does a loving God and a just God deal with sin and yet still love people? How does He do it? This is the, this is the incredible wisdom of our God. He, he said, people's sin needs to be paid for. The punishment needs to be paid for. Their wrongdoing needs to be paid for. And, and Jesus said, but they're incapable of helping themselves. They'll never be good enough. Tony Rainbow will never be good enough. Aiden will never be good enough. Chloe comes close, but never good enough. None of us will be good enough. We let ourselves down, we let others down. But this baby of royal blood was tempted and tested in every way as you and I are, and yet never sinned. He was the perfect unblemished lamb that was willing to offer his life as a substitute for us who couldn't help ourselves. 
Just like the coach called in a substitute, God the Father called in a substitute. His name is Jesus. And Jesus said, what you are unable to do for yourselves, I'm going to do for you. And to ensure that God remains just, sin will be paid for. God will not turn a blind eye to our sin. It's going to be paid for. And the penalty of sin is death. And so Jesus said, I will die for the people's sins. I'll die. I will go to a cross. I'll be mocked. I'll be ridiculed. I'll be abandoned. I'll be betrayed. I'll be, I'll be let down. I'm willing to go to the cross because I love people. But I realise sin must be paid for. Because if I don't pay for sin, I won't be just. And, and God's character does not change. And so Jesus went to the cross and he died for your sin and my sin. The death that was hanging over our life because of our sin, Jesus went to the cross. The Bible says he became sin. When he was hanging on that cross, it went dark for three hours and Jesus became sin. He not only put up with the pain of being beaten and mocked and bloodied and bruised, hanging on a cross, struggling to breathe. It wasn't just that pain. It was the pain of your sin and my sin and all of humanity's sin was just poured out upon him. The Bible says that he was unrecognisable. Wow. What, what a plan of redemption. And it was as he was on the cross, he breathed his last and gave up his spirit and he died. Second piece of the puzzle. He was born and he died. You see, without these puzzles, without these pieces, Christmas doesn't make sense. But the good news is it doesn't stop there. There's a third piece to this puzzle. Not only do we see Christmas as the cradle, which is the beginning of Christmas. Then we have the cross, which is the purpose of Christmas. But also we have the crown, which is the completion of Christmas. See, Jesus not only died... Jesus was not only born, but having died and offered Himself as a substitute for your sin and my sin, having been put in a grave for three days, on the third day, just like He promised, just like He said, He rose again. He he said, "I, I would do that. He said, you'll kill me and I will rise again on the third day. That doesn't make him a prophet. That doesn't make him a good man. That makes him something extraordinary. That makes him something supernatural. That makes him who he said he was. And he claimed that he was the Son of God. And he rose up out of that grave and he said these words, I'm back. Just like I promised. Just like I said. Proving that He was who He said He was. You know, there's great evidence to support the resurrection. Not only is the evidence of the empty tomb, even though it was guarded by many Roman soldiers, but over a six-week period, He was seen by over 550 people recorded in Scripture on 11 different occasions. This is not the hallucination of a few faithful followers. This is unbelievers and believers. In actual fact, the disciples didn't even believe it rise from the dead. Everyone was shocked at this incredible resurrection. Lord Darling, a former Chief Justice of England said this, in its favour as living truth, there exists such overwhelming evidence, positive and negative, factual and circumstantial, that no intelligent jury in the world could fail to bring in a verdict that the resurrection story is true. 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, because of this resurrection, Paul writes these words, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who saves, Emmanuel, the God that is with us. In conclusion this morning, because of these three things, because of the cradle, the beginning of Christmas that we're celebrating today, And because of the cross, which is the purpose of Christmas, and because of the crown, which is the completion of Christmas, three things can be true for you. The Bible says if we receive this Jesus, we can have our past sins forgiven. All those things that we've done, thought and said, forgiven once and for all. There's a promise that our present life can be managed, that there's a power to overcome every circumstance and situation that we face, every temptation. And that there's this incredible hope of a future glory because every one of us one day will have to face our maker. And for those that have received this child into their life as Lord and Saviour, you don't have to fear that day. You don't have to fear death, but you'll be welcomed home into heaven a place where there's no tears, there's no poverty. There's complete joy. What an incredible plan of salvation. I thank God for Christmas. But Christmas by itself is so incomplete. You have to tie the Christmas story up with the Easter story in order for the big picture to become complete in our lives. My prayer for each and every one of us this morning is that we would receive this gift, that we'd make room in our hearts for him. When Jesus was born, the Bible tells us there was no room at the inn. My prayer is that you'd have room in your hearts and let Jesus in. See, Christmas is a time of giving and it's a time of receiving. But many people go Christmas after Christmas after Christmas and they never receive the greatest gift that was given to humanity. And that's this boy child that was born some 2,000 years ago. And it's my heart and prayer that we would receive him as king, that we would receive him as Lord. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.